Welcome to the Crossroad International Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us. It is our prayer that God will use this message to bring comfort to those who are hurting, give hope to those who find themselves in what seems to be a hopeless situation, and to encourage the one who is struggling through a difficult season of life. For more sermon audio, resources, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit CICKuwait.com. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be continuing on in our series in Romans today. Um, hope you've enjoyed it thus far. I was telling uh, Pastor Steve before service, we, we probably should, looking back, we probably should have like stretched this out over like two years. Uh, Romans is so deep and thick and wide and everything else that it's really hard. Uh, my head was hurting preparing this week because I'm like, well, I want to cover that. I want to cover this. And it's just like you're bouncing all over. So I'm going to try to stay focused. If I come across as like one of those little rubber bouncy balls in a room, I apologize if I'm hitting one thing and going to the next to the next. But I'll try to, to kind of just summarize just a few things. But there's a lot of um, great, great stuff, as we said, from the uh, on, onset of this uh, uh, time in Romans. I encourage you really to just dig deep during this time while the church is uh, in Romans. Um, we did, I posted uh, yesterday, I believe, the verses we'd be covering today. Not sure if you saw that, but if you had a chance, but keep an eye out for that. Uh, we'll try to let you know during the week what we'll be covering next, and so you can kind of get into it a little bit. So when we uh, introduce things at the service, you're sort of, you're kind of ahead of the game a little bit. Um, so if you would, if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6, and... We'll be covering chapters 6 and 7 in the next three hours. Um, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, Lord, just this time to, just to dig into your word, Father God, to just to, to hear your word, uh, Lord, to just take a real close look at it. Father, I pray you to speak to our hearts through your word, through me as your vessel today, Lord. God, that you would speak uh, just specifically to this congregation today, to these people sitting and sitting here in this room to, and what this church is uh, dealing with now and going through and in. Father, that you just speak to our lives and just by your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I wanted to start out because as I was preparing, there's, there's some words we use a lot uh, in Romans and some theological terms. And I just wanted to give you just a couple kind of quick snapshots of some of these just to make sure there's good understanding. Uh, one of the, the problems we have when we get into a room with so many cultures is that we, there's assumptions made of understanding of certain things. Uh, we come from different backgrounds, bringing our own ideas of things. So I want to give you just some understanding and not uh, presume anything. So if you know this, you know, I apologize. It's good to know again, good to hear it again. So uh, just, just bear with us. But uh, the first thing I just want to mention is the word justification. Justification. And uh, has anybody heard this word before? Yeah? Okay, good. So um, justification uh, just a, a formal kind of definition is, is a forensic or legal term uh, related to the idea of acquittal. So like in a case, if somebody's been acquitted, charges have been dropped, they, they are released, they're no longer bound by that. And uh, justification refers to the divine act whereby God makes humans who are sinful and therefore worthy of condemnation acceptable before God who is holy and righteous. 
okay? So that's this term, you hear this term, we say it all the time, this phrase, by grace through faith. By grace through faith. So we are justified by grace. Grace meaning there's nothing we've done to deserve it. By grace through faith. So once we put our faith in God, all right, there's this, this act of justification happens. Now there's another word that's closely related to justification called sanctification. Okay? Sanctification. Sanctification comes from the Hebrew and Greek, Greek meaning to be set apart, to be set apart. So in the, the time when they would set up the temple and set up uh, uh, the outer courts, inner courts, and they had all these, all these rules, all these things according to the law that they had to do, it had to be set up a certain way, certain lengths, and then there was items in, uh, in, that, uh, in that temple that were set apart, okay, that were set apart, and just as now we, uh, under the new covenant, are to be set apart, we are to be sanctified, um, from, again, as the definition says, common use, or we're being made holy, okay? You understand that? So, again, these are huge. You could go to a lecture for three hours and talk about just one of these words. So, again, just trying to kind of package it up a little bit for you. Now, the nature of sanctification is twofold in that Christians have been made holy through Christ, all right? And we're called to continue to grow into and strive for holiness by cooperating with the indwelling Holy Spirit until we, until we enjoy complete conformity to Christ, which would be glorification. All right, all that means is that there is a, once we are justified, once we are saved, we are then, we are sanctified, but sanctified is kind of a, a double-sided thing, meaning you are sanctified, but then there is a process of sanctification where you're continuing. I, I like to think of it as you're set on a path of sanctification. So when you're saved, you're justified, now God has put you into sanctification, but there is a path that we are to walk. It is a process that we cooperate with God. There is a process of sanctification that we will not fully reach the end until we go to glory, to heaven. Okay? All right. So just a couple of those things. Um, and as I was, again, researching this, the, I came across this from a Westminster Larger Catechism, puts it like this, and I paraphrased a little bit. There's a lot of like big words and things like that, so it took me a long time. So I just wanted to kind of hopefully make it easier for all of us to understand. It says, although sanctification is inseparably joined with justification, they differ in that God in justification places the righteousness of Christ within us. Okay? He places it within us, and we're set free from the penalty of sin. Like I said, they we're set free at that point. And while in sanctification, his spirit infuses grace that enables us to experience victory over sin, all right? We're set free from the power of sin. Understand that? That's, and that's something that we need to really, and now we're going to hit on this some more. S say that, I want you to say it with me. Say, I am, I am set free, set free from, the from the power of sin. It seems like a simple phrase, but we often live a life that con contradicts that, don't we? And I want to explain that a little bit. It doesn't mean you're not going to have struggles. It doesn't mean we don't have trials. But we have been set free. Do not ever forget that. I'm moving from definition to preaching now. Don't ever forget that you are set free from the power of sin. And one of the greatest things the enemy does, because he is the deceiver, is he convinces you that you are not. You can try to convince me that I am not an American, but... I can pull out a passport and show you that I am. 
I can dress in Indian clothes or, you know, clothes from the Philippines or any part of the world. I can eat whatever kind of food. That does not make me any less American, does it? Because that's what I am. You are a Christian if you've accepted Christ. You are saved and sin no longer has power over you. Bottom line. So just hold on to that. And then in the finish of this, it's in, in the justific, justifications, sorry, in the justification, sin is pardoned, okay? And then in sanctification, sin is subdued. Understand? So we are pardoned from sin through justification. Sin no longer has power through sanctification. Sin is being subdued, all right? All right. So we're set, like I said, we're set on this path. We, everybody understand? Of righteousness by grace, and we'll therefore continue to experience grace as we journey. All right? So that was just a freebie for you, all that. <laughs> so um, Romans chapter 6, and we're just going to really just kind of talk about, again, I could go everywhere, but uh, I'm going to try to stay on, on basically what does the law mean now to us? You know, we have this idea of we know what the law is, and is it good, is it bad? It, what, what's the purpose of it now? Does it have a purpose? And so I really want to just, uh, we're going to kind of dig into this a little bit. And so if you, again, if you have your Bibles, Romans 6, uh, I believe your handouts, I think, should have this as well. Romans 6, 1 through 11. And let me, uh, let me just read through this for you. What shall we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in a new life. For if we have been joined with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that sin's dominion over the body may be abolished, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. Since a person who has died is freed from sin's claims, now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him, because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him. For in light of the fact that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But in light of the fact that he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in God, in Christ Jesus. Now, Paul opens up here in Romans 6, and what you're going to see is through Romans 6 and 7, there's, there's these questions Paul asks. All right? In Romans 6, 1, he says, what should we say then? Should we continue in sin in order that grace may multiply? And he, this term, absolutely not, it's translated differently in other translations, but this is a very powerful response. I mean, he's yelling, absolutely not. You know, he's, he's drawing the line, no. And then in, in verse 15, what then? Should we sin because we are, are not under the law but under grace? Absolutely not. And then into... Um, Chapter 7, verse 7, and I'm just going ahead a little bit, but he says, What should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. And then in verse 13, Therefore did what is good cause my death? Again, absolutely not. Now these are four big questions, and Paul obviously is not asking them because he doesn't know the answer. He is 
posing these questions because he knows that from the standpoint of the Jews and the Gentiles in Rome, in the church, they are coming from a place where these questions are probably circulating and these issues are circulating. So he's asking the question for them so that he has an opportunity to answer. And so just we want to keep that in mind. And, and, and Paul is very, he's kind of, he's starting to drive home some things here for them. And so this first one, again, should we continue to sin in order that grace may multiply? I was astounded. I, I couldn't believe, but there, there have been many people, Christian people, that actually embrace a teaching where they, they sin more because that, they believe that if they want to experience more grace, then they have to sin more. And, and they've, they've done this. I mean, it's... I. I don't know. I, I, they're theologians and stuff, and I'm, I'm like, did you read the rest of the Bible? Or, but, but no, don't do that, okay? Don't do that. As Paul says, absolutely not. Please don't do that, all right? I mean, I think we all deal with sin enough. We don't need to purposely go sin just so we can experience the grace of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Okay. So, um, so again, we do not sin just to, to experience grace. Paul was very clear on this. And, and we, we need to understand that. As believers, we have to realize that first, again, in Romans 6, verses 1 through 3, that we have been crucified with Christ. We've been crucified with Christ. Why? Because that is the only way that sin could lose its power. Sin had the right to be in our life, to control us, to, to, to do what it does. Sin had, it's just like sin owned us. We were enslaved, is the word that's used, to sin, legally, okay? And the only way, and as Paul goes on further, um, I believe in chapter 7, he'll explain this, but he talks about this idea of, of a marriage and, and how a woman, you know, technically until the man, if they separate until the man dies, that's the only way that she could be separated from him, okay? It's the same idea, uh, with sin, that the only way we are separated is through death. All right? Now, this is the, if you can grasp that, then you can understand what Christ did on the cross and how amazing it was because it gives us a chance to be Christians and still be sitting in here in a room breathing and looking at each other. Right? Somebody had to die to separate. And so now, as we partake in Christ's death, through Christ's death, with him, we are able to be separated from the legal authority that sin has on our life. And then in verses 4 through 5 in chapter 6, it says they have been resurrected with Christ. Meaning we, we have as Christians. So first we die with Christ. But this is, the, this is the other side of it. This is the happy part, the good part, is that we are then resurrected with Christ into a new life here on earth. I'm not talking about just the future. Don't, don't think about just when we get to heaven. That's the completion of it all. But we are now able to experience a resurrected life with Christ. And so now you can almost say that we are both dead and alive. All right? I was going to say the walking dead, but, but so much of that stuff's on TV and it's the wrong, completely wrong thing. So, so we're not like zombies or nothing walking around, but you are... You are dead and alive at the same time, meaning you are dead to your sin, all right? We should no longer be slaves to sin, for we have been crucified with Christ, but you are alive in the Savior, 
We are now to live in the resurrection power of the one who rose from the dead and is alive forever. Okay? I like what R.W. Stott says. He says, what was crucified with Christ was not part of me or part of my old nature, but the whole of me as I was before I was converted. All right? So it's not like a part of you just died. All right? There was nothing good in us. There was nothing good about us. We had to die to be... Has anybody ever half died? <laughs> I mean, you're either dead or you're not, right? Either it's the ticker's going or it's just done. So there's, there isn't a half death. We, we died with Christ and then we were able to raise, be raised again with him. And uh, interesting, in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 23, it says, again, we know this one probably pretty well. We probably use it when we speak to people. But for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let me ask you a question. When you work your job and you get your paycheck, do you tell your boss, thank you for this gift of money? No, right? Why? Because you earned every fill, right? Every, everything that's in there, you earned it, correct? Well, guess what? Our wages for sin is death. What does that mean? We earned it. <laughs> we were sinful. We were sinful. And so we earned death. Now, does it say, but the wages of God is eternal life? No, it doesn't. What does it say? It says the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. So again, the gift of God, God gave us eternal life. Listen. Take your, take your steel-toed shoes off for a second. I'm just going to step just a little bit. We need to stop living like our wages are eternal life. You are not earning eternal life with God. You need to accept it as a gift and be thankful for it. Somebody hands you a gift, you hug them, kiss them, whatever, shake their hand, say thank you, you're happy. That's what you need to be with God. That's all. That's it. Okay? We cannot earn this gift of eternal life. And we need to remember that as we, we live out our lives. Now, again, this idea of as we came out of sin and, and, and we, were, we were crucified, resurrected um, with Christ, and now we are alive again. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who's a Welsh uh, Protestant minister, and he's very... Uh, well-known for his work in Romans. And he, he, he explains like this. I thought it was pretty neat, but it's, it's like two fields. Okay, two fields. If you imagine, if you can imagine grass, a grassy field or a sandy one, I guess. Two, two things with large rock walls, okay? And we were in one of the fields, all right? And so in the two fields, one is ruled by Satan and sin, and the other field is by Christ and righteousness, all right, and, and what happens is through this process, basically by God's grace, he takes us out of this field because we were property to sin and Satan and everything else here. God took us when he accepted him as our savior and placed us in his field where we are now under righteousness and under his rulership, okay? And, and it, it, this was just profound to me, but the interesting thing is that we can still hear 
Satan's voice on the other side. Are we in his field anymore? No. Are we subject to sin and to all that stuff? No, we're not. But we can still hear his voice calling out sometimes. And out of habit, we do things that we used to do in his field. Douglas Moo, who is also a theologian in, in Romans, he took it a step further and he suggested that we overcome sin by moving further and further away from the wall. And so how true is that today, you know, when we go to places or we do things or we, we're in certain situations where we just probably shouldn't be there, you're moving closer to that wall. And it's very easy to, to slip into, you know, a sin. And so we need to be wise and we need to be smart. It doesn't mean that God doesn't call you because maybe God has called you to help somebody that's still near the wall. Or maybe you can speak over the wall and try to encourage people to come over. But you need to be called by God to do that and make sure you're doing what God's called you to do. Don't flirt by going to the edge of the line or to the edge of the cliff to see how far you can see over. We need to be moving further away from the wall, further away from what, the way we used to be. Now, again, we, I want to move into kind of to talk about the law a little bit now and, and what, what, what is its purpose today. Um, chapter 6 and 7 of Romans, they address the believer's relationship to two key powers of the old regime, all right? And they release from bondage, were released from bondage through the body of Christ, okay? There's the law of sin in, in uh, Romans 6, and then there's uh, the Mosaic law in Romans 7. Now, again, Paul is still speaking here to both, remember, both Jew and Gentile uh, Gentiles who, who knew about Judaism, they were, they were sympathetic to that, they, they understood it, and so they knew the law as well as the Jews did. Now, if you turn to Romans 7, verse 1, Romans 7, 1, and it says this, Since I am speaking to those who understand the law, okay, so these people that uh, Paul had written to in Rome, they understood what the law was. And he says, understand the law, brothers, are you aware, unaware that the law has authority over someone as long as he lives? Okay, and this is this idea that we are dead through Christ in his, his death and made alive in resurrection. So we are dead to sin. And Paul is, is trying to bring this understanding. Again, the church is new at this point. The church is, is still, you know, growing and, and, and happening and taking shape. Uh, they didn't have all of uh, the Bible, you know, to, to go by. And so there's this shifting from being under the law to, to being under the new covenant, you know, and accepting Jesus and what he did. And so, again, this, this understanding is, is, have, is taking time to explain for these people. And again, Paul is, is working through some of these things with them. Now, again, in, in 7 verse, verses 1 through, um, through 6 is where Paul kind of hits on this, uh, this idea of the, the husband and wife and how they're separated through death. And then he goes into, um, excuse me, uh, verse 7. And here again is one of those other questions. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Is the law sin? If you read the next line, absolutely not. When you're driving down the road in Kuwait and there is a speed limit, and I, I don't know if you go over the speed limit or stay under it. I mean, is the speed limit a bad thing? I, I want to say no. I really do. <laughs> I 
but there's probably people in here like when you're in a hurry or something, that speed limit seems really bad, doesn't it? It's like you need to get somewhere or in the rare occasion in Kuwait, you actually have a wide open road that you can just go and you're like, like on Friday mornings, right? It's like, oh my goodness, I can use my cruise control and I just want to go. <laughs> and, and so, but the, the law in itself, that, that speed limit is not bad, is it? It's just, it's, this is the law. It's set there for a good reason and it is not bad or, or evil in itself. So the, the law is not sin, all right? And as Paul goes on in 7.1 there, he says, on the contrary, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. So I think I might be getting ahead of myself here, but I'm just going to go with it. So the law, it's a lot like when you, if you stand in a dark room and you turn that flashlight on, right? Imagine standing in a room and everything seems okay, and then you turn the flashlight on and there's, there's like mold on the walls and there's cockroaches running all over the place. You almost want to shut the flashlight off because things were kind of better, right? Because you had no clue that that stuff was there. But that's what the law does. That's, that's what, I mean, you read any of the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments, they shine this light onto sin. And what it does is it turns people to realize, oh my goodness, that there's cinema. This is defined, this is marked as sin. Otherwise, we would all just do whatever we wanted, right? I mean, you can look in the world. You don't have to look far to see people that do these things. So let me, let me jump down now to Romans 7, uh, 21 through 25. That should be in your handout as well. 7, 21 through 25, and it says this. So I discover this principle. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner in the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from, dying, from this dying body? I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, so then, with my mind, I myself am a slave to the law of God, but with my flesh to the law of sin. Now, this comes on the heels of what I call Paul's doo-doo verses, right? Have you ever read Paul's doo-doo verses? You're looking at me crazy. It's there, okay? The doo-doo verses. Uh, Romans 7, if you, if you look down, you probably know what I'm talking about, but I just refer to it that way. Um, let's see, let me find it here in the Bible. And, you know, where he talks about, for if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that is good. So I am now no longer the one doing it, but it is sin living in me, right? And he goes on, you know, for I do not know the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Now, if I do what I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but it is the sin that lives in me, okay? Now you get the doo-doo verses. Okay, there's lots of doo-doos in there. So it's kind of confusing, but basically all Paul's saying is that he wants to do the right thing, he can't, and he goes back and forth, he's wrestling with this whole thing. Now this is a largely, it could be one of, it could be the most or one of the most debated sections of scripture in the Bible. Uh, and the reason being, if you haven't thought about it, I'm not sure, but there's, there's two stances here. One is, is this Paul before he's saved? Or is this Paul after he's come to Christ and had his conversion? What is he referring to here? Okay, now, 
here's, here's the really, I want to just make some points here. One of the things to remember, has anybody ever, does anybody text people here? WhatsApp? Everybody, right? Me and my, me and Leanna do it in the house. Like, what you making for dinner? Yeah. And when she asked me if to help her, I just have set my phone to the side. I didn't hear you. Uh, she's not here today, so I can say that. <laughs> yeah, it is, yeah, she'll listen to it. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, but has, has anybody ever texted something and been misunderstood? I mean, seriously, you say something so innocently, and you send it, and then it turns into this huge, and you know, you have to meet with your friend, and they're crying, and they think that you just hate them now, and you're like, I just asked you if you want to go for pizza. I really had no other agenda behind that. And so, but you have to explain. Here in, in, in Romans, this section, unfortunately, there isn't, there's just not enough there. We're not sure, we don't know the answer. Let me just put it that way. Now, again, there are people on both sides of the camp, both sides of the fence that have really good arguments, if you will. And here's the deal with this. This is something where we have grace and you can discuss with one another regardless of which stance you take. Uh, you're not going to go to hell if you pick one side or the other, so we can praise God for that. The, 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 it's the realities of it. And so, again, the stance is if it's before Paul's conversion, then, again, he goes through all these things and, 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 and he's going um, on about how sin, sins of power and things like that, and he struggles. But, and it's, and it's true, correct? Did sin have authority before you were saved? Did you struggle with things? Even when you first understood what sin was before maybe you were converted to Christianity, there were, I'm sure, things that you were trying to do or wanted to do, but for some reason, you were losing those battles all the time, right? And so that we can understand that perspective. On the other side of that, then of course, uh, there's, there's the other camp where a lot of people think that this is where he's already a Christian. And is it wrong to say that you struggle with sin as a Christian, that you, are, you, know, you work through things? Has anybody sinned here since they've been a Christian? Okay? Yes, we do. And so either way you look at it, uh, it, 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 it's, it's applicable, correct? Can we agree on that? So it's, it's something over for discussion. And, and what I always tell people too, especially, uh, I'm not a big debater, but I don't mind, you know, whatever, talking to somebody. But the reality is, is, is if it had been crystal clear, it would have been decided long ago. Correct? I mean, there are theologians, there are people that have studied this much more than any of us in this room. And if they could not come to an agreement, how are we, you know? So the point is, that we, we walk in grace with one another, understanding, and that either side that you land on, it's okay. We love you, and we'll, uh, we'll still welcome you here at Crossroad International Church. Okay? Um, and, and so, uh, for me, personally, I'm not going to get into a lot of detail. I kinda, I, I'm still sort of on the fence with it. I'll just be honest with you as a pastor. Um, the only part I, I really, I was probably always been more in the camp of this is Paul when he's a Christian, but... There is argument, and I, I agree that there are some things there, because there, what we started with, what we said it initially is, does sin have power and authority over you? No, it doesn't, right? Sin does not have, sin cannot control you. You have the means, whether you choose to use them or not is the question. And, and this, this sort of, the end of this really gives, it sounds like a hopeless situation almost, the way Paul's expressing, like there's this, this control. 
Um, and so that's the one thing that, that I think we're, uh, and that's really in the argument, I guess, or the debate, if you will, uh, of where people kind of, maybe this wasn't when Paul was a Christian. So for me, it can be either one, and I'm fine with it. Tomorrow I might sh shift or change, but it's, uh, it's fine either way. So um, again, Paul has struggles with sin, whether it's as a Christian, let's say it's as a Christian, he struggles with it. Now, the law draws a contrast between death and life, all right? This is what the law does. The law can never, and I want you to catch this, the law can never rescue us from our predicament. The law can't do it. Why would Jesus have come if the law was able to do that, all right? The law cannot do that. We can never fulfill it completely and therefore can never please God by this means, which continuously brings us back to grace. Right? Because we're going to fail. We're going to fall. It's just, it's just going to happen. Now, again, as we journey and as we go forward, we're becoming more like Christ. I was thinking the other day, one of the most dangerous prayers to ever pray, if you want just to change your life around a little bit, is just ask, ask God to make, say, Jesus, make me more like you. But just be ready for the... For the, for the for what's going to come, because he'll make you more like him, but you know the journey might not be uh, what you maybe signed up for, but the the end and the destination is, is is definitely worth it. But Jesus make me more like you, and it's only through Jesus. And and uh, again, we have to understand the law brings us back to grace. The law shows us our sin, right? Take the Ten Commandments here, right? Number one, no other gods. But how many times do we worship ourselves? How many times do we put ourselves up? Or it's about us and we make ourselves the focal point or other people. No idols, but we invest hours and energy in possessions. Right? When I was home, I mean, you know, uh, weekends and stuff, you take the car out, park it in the yard. We had like yards that you could actually drive in. Park it out there and spend four, five, six hours you know, you wash the car, you got to wax it and detail it so you can go out that evening, right? Again, not that there's, there's a place and stuff. I'm not saying, you know, that, that it's wrong. But how many things, what things do our idols in our life or do we invest hours and in, in our energy in? No taking of the name of God frivolous, frivolously, but we say things all the time, don't we, out of our mouth? Or maybe you've got that one down, but other people say, you know, oh, God, but you're not actually... Speaking to God, you just you're just saying it, you know, out of habit. Honoring your parents. Hey Noah. This one's honor your parents. That's uh, one of the Ten Commandments. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> honor your parents, but we ignore them. Yeah. I mean, none of my kids ignore me, <laughs> especially this week when Leanne's been gone. But um, uh, honor your parents. But yeah, you know what. Do you have a good relationship with your, your mom or your dad, or you know, are, we, are you honoring to them? You know, don't murder, but some of us would if we thought we could get away with it. Just keep looking at me. <laughs> they won't know it's you. Yeah, I mean, seriously, you know, some of us, <laughs> I'll admit to it. There's been some times I've just wanted to, you know, people done things wrong, bosses, things like that. Like, well, yeah, there's a lot of desert out there. But, um, but you know, we, we've, we slip into these things, and we, but then guess what? There's grace, right? Hallelujah, thank the Lord for grace. 
And, um, and so, yeah, so I don't have any shovels or anything in my trunk. Number seven, don't commit adultery. But some of us might, again, if we thought we could get away with it. Don't steal. But we have a whole society that gets better and better at re redefining theft. Right? Take things, but we put neat names to it or make it look legal. Don't bear false witness. Ah, but the advantage feels so good. And don't covet. This seems to be behind all the rest, so Paul uses it to illustrate all, this other, all these other things, right? Covet, covet, I mean, that's, that's a lot of it, isn't it? We see what other people have, we see things they have, a life they have, and we want that, you know? So, again, these, all these things, we, we are not bound by these things. And, and one thing I wanted, again, to pull out from this as well is we, the, the, the commandments, Ten Commandments, it, it's what shines light on sin before somebody comes to Christ to identify it. But now as, as Christians, when you've come to Christ, now it serves to, to bring us back and, and participate in grace. It's, it, it serves now as, as markers kind of along the way, doesn't it? You know, we can't, we, we can't live to just fulfill all of those commandments, but if we follow Christ and we participate, right? We participate in, in what he's doing and in sanctification. Remember that journey I said? We're being sanctified, we become more like him. So to be honest, most of you in here, there's probably at least five of those that you really probably don't deal with very often, right? But there, I guarantee you there's one, two, maybe three of those things that you might slip into or if you were really honest with yourself, you deal with. So again, um, and, and just to, to tie back to this, this Romans 7, if, if we do take this, this stance and we look at Romans 7 as from, uh, as we talked about Paul's, is he Christian, not Christian at this time? It's, it's kind of, uh, just remember, if you take the, the stance that, that Paul is a, a believer at that point or when he's talking about that, one thing that we have to watch is that we, um, we can fall into this, how do I say this the right way? We fall into this thing where we think it's, it's okay to sin. Let me just say, Paul, Paul struggled, right? I mean, I pull the whole thorn in the flesh card out all the time, you know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Paul here, he's struggling with sin. I can struggle. Do not ever, and that's why I started the way I started this message, is that sin does not have power over you. Does it mean you're not gonna sin? You're gonna you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna say it's it's gonna happen, and it may be very maybe hard. It may be challenging, but just remember, sin does not have power over you. Uh, I heard this illustration. I wanted to share with you. Uh, a lot of people think the 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 Christian walk is it's kind of like two escalators. Have you heard this before, anybody? So you know you have the escalator that's pretty much going down to hell, and that's the world's on it. You were on it, and then there's this idea that when you're saved, you're sort of, you hop escalators, right? Oop, I'm on the up escalator. It's good, right? It's not like that. It's, you're on the same escalator, but you're just trying to run up now. How many can say amen that it feels like that at times? <laughs> As a kid, it was fun. You know, my mom used to yell at me all the time. I mean, I saw one and I was that kid trying to run. But then you get about halfway up and, <laughs> You're not moving as fast as you used to, 
and you're trying to go, now I would never try because I probably couldn't get like three steps without falling. But, but that's, that, I thought that picture was so true of the Christian walk, isn't it? We are on the down escalator. And if you don't watch, you're kind of trying to move in and out of people. If you don't watch, you can get caught in a crowd of people that will pull you back. And the other thing that's great about the illustration too is what, it, it's never, you're never standing still. If you're not moving forward, you're, you're moving backwards. All right, we're called to always press forward and to move forward in Christ. And so we're on that one escalator. Our death to sin in chapter six, indwelling power of the Holy Spirit in chapter eight of Romans, and the renewal of our minds in chapter 12 means we are able to experience victory. And while we will never become completely sin sinless, we will sin less, okay? And so you will see this kind of painted out as we work our way through Romans. It might be quick because we're going through a lot quickly, but we will we'll paint this out a bit. So in conclusion, again, the law serves two things. It shines the light, as I've said, before salvation, and then it continues to, to bring us back and show us that we need grace, that we in and of ourselves are nothing. We can't make it on our own. And so many times, I'm sure, when we, when we fall, when we fail, if you look, it's because you know, maybe we haven't spent time in the Word or something. Three things, you know, you, you must spend time in prayer, in the Word of God, and in, in worshiping God. Those three things, I promise you, and it, it, at least in my life, maybe I'm the only one, but every time, typically when I mess up or fail or just make a horrible, just a dumb mistake or I'm struggling, it's because those three things aren't taking precedence in my life. And so they have to be there. And uh, somebody once told me, you know, there's times that I read my Bible and it, it feels like nothing is happening. The angels aren't singing. There's no shafts of light from heaven, but I just read it anyway. And somehow through that, God's doing something even when we don't realize it. Amen? Amen. So the law has a purpose today. Would you stand and let me pray for you? Heavenly Father, we... We come before you now, Lord, and we just thank you. God, I, I pray that this message has just landed uh, deep within our hearts, that it's, it's challenged us. It's, I pray that it's freed some people, one from if they're going through a struggle or that they see that, that sin is it's not the end. It's, it doesn't have authority. And, Lord, I pray that you will just strengthen them today if, as they go through a, a trial or whatever it is that they're going through. And, God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you for the law. The law in and of itself is, is not bad, it's not evil, but God, it exposes sin, and that's what it's designed to do. And so, Lord, we just, first we repent today of any sin in our life, that God, we thank you that it stands there, uh, and it still applies today, even though we are not bound to it, we're not under it, we're under the new covenant, and there is freedom in Christ, but God, we thank you. That, uh, that, again, we are able to see sin when it is in our life. It is revealed through the law. Uh, we thank you for that. And we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you that we have just access to the word of God uh, any time. Lord, that we don't have to go through a, a, a priest or a mediator anymore, Lord, because we have Jesus. And so we thank you, Lord, that we have the word of God and we have salvation and just these amazing gifts that you've given to us by grace, nothing that we've earned. So, Lord, I pray that you continue, God, just to make those real to us. And, Lord, I pray that this upcoming week, Lord, that we spend time in the Word, that we spend time in Romans, Father God, and, and just 
to, to understand better, Lord, some of the things that have been shared today. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness in our lives. So, Lord, I ask you just now to, to, to bless this congregation, bless these people, bless those that are, are out today traveling. And we thank you, Lord, that you just bring them back safely. We look forward, Lord, to next week and ask you to bless our time during our grand opening, uh, our celebration, Father God, that you would just let it go well. And that we just pray that we edify you through it, Father. God, we just thank you that, um, that uh, many people will come, that we'll see new people, Father, and we'll see people that maybe don't even know you. And God will have that opportunity just to share Christ with them. And that we, that, that will extend far beyond what happens up here in front, but they will be able to, to tell by the people and by the way they're treated and by the way the people talk to them and welcome them that they are, they're somewhere different, that these people are different. So Lord, we pray that, that we are a witness to those that come in uh, to our church next week. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.